Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 171 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Amanda Carl. Dr. Amanda Carl is the CEO of The Next Economy and founder of the Center for Social Change. She has spent nearly 25 years working with inspiring people all around the world to create positive change on issues as diverse as livelihoods and economic development, health and well-being, women's empowerment, and climate change action. Over the last five years, she has been working with communities across Australia to strengthen regional economies by embracing the transition from fossil fuels to a zero emissions economy. Amanda has a PhD in Human Geography from the Australian National University and is an associate of the University of Queensland and the Sydney Policy Lab. So in today's podcast, we'll discuss Amanda's views on how regions of Australia are moving to the next economy. We'll get Amanda's insights and perspective on social innovation opportunities, and we'll hear what Amanda believes can be done to help transition to economies which are good for people and planet. So Amanda, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Tom. So to kick things off, Amanda, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to helping these local communities build more diverse, resilient and vibrant economies? Yeah, well, I think you've already touched on it in the, the bio. So my, my background actually was international development. I'm, I was trained originally as an anthropologist and then was working on applied project in mostly Asia and Southeast Asia, so places like the Philippines, Timor, Fiji. Um, and back in... How I got into this work now, back in 2014, um, my work was kind of split um, at the Centre for Social Change. I was doing sort of local livelihood development in the Pacific, mm. um, so helping people in villages start community-owned and enterprises um, and address their sort of local economic issues and yep. poverty issues. Um, but in Australia, I was doing a lot of work with climate and environment groups, training them up in how to work effectively with communities and do community organising. Mm. And those two worlds kind of collided one day when I got a phone call from one of the climate activists up in Mackay saying, look, we, I think we're doing something really bad here because we've got Tim Buckley doing this speaking tour of North Queensland and Tim is a financial analyst and he was talking about the end of coal. So mm. he was just basically looking at international markets saying, you know, all of our export partners are moving away from coal, we need to plan for the future. Yeah. And because the coal price had been down for two years, um, people actually believed him. <laughs> so, <laughs> and they were freaking out and saying, well, what do we do about it? And they didn't have an answer for that. So they said, can you come up and talk to people about, you know, how they can do local economic development and deal with transition? And I said, well, I don't know much about coal, but... Um, and they're like, don't worry about it. They'll think you're a greenie. They're not going to listen to you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, great. Um, but the opposite happened. I got back to Brisbane um, and I just got all these phone calls from like local councillors and the head of the Chamber of Commerce and the head of the sugarcane industry saying, 
look, we're not greenies, but we do care about our local community and the economy. Um, we've got to do something about this and you make sense. So can you come back and help us? And that was five years ago and the work's really taken off from there, not just at a regional level, but also with state governments and even the union movement yeah. trying to figure out how do we support this change as we move from fossil fuels, and that's coal and gas, to zero emissions across all sectors. Wow. It's a really, really interesting area to be involved in, it, Amanda. So I'm curious to hear then, as CEO of The Next Economy, I suppose a few examples of these specific projects that you've been involved with and how it is that you work with the communities to help transition. Yeah, well, there's a couple of different levels. I think we're really still at the beginning of trying to get our heads around what the change means. And there's been mm. so much denial that there is a change happening that, um, like, it's interesting. When I first started doing the work, I really thought I'd only be doing it for three years because <laughs> three, three or four years and then I could go back overseas because, you know, at that time the coal price was down. We had numerous reports showing how we could reduce and absorb carbon emissions across all sectors. We had government um, initiatives to try and support regional economic development it was just like, okay, well, we've got all the ingredients here. Let's let's get on with it. You know, yeah. I just need to create awareness, get the right people in the room, and then um, we can go from there. Because compared to other countries I work in, like, we've got no excuse really not to tackle this. Mm. Um, but in that time, the politics has gone backwards and we've, you know, lost a number of prime ministers over our climate policy and energy policy. And it's it's been really frustrating. But at, at the same time, the work on the ground has been often I get invited in, sometimes by local councils, sometimes by industry, sometimes by community groups, and they say, can you help us think through what this means for our region? So sometimes it's a presentation. Sometimes it's a roundtable where I get business and government leaders in the room to actually look at what are the things they've already got in place around mm. reducing emissions across energy, land use, transport, manufacturing, waste areas. Yeah. Um, and then starting to do that planning around, well, what's missing here? What are the gaps? What would help investment flow so that the, these actions that are already happening can actually really take off? Yeah. The other part of the work then is if there's a group that wants to start something um, on the ground. So, for example, down in Gloucester, there was a group that wanted to start a community-owned renewable energy project. Um, we can hook them up with the expertise that they need to support that group to get going. So in that case, we link them up with the community power agency who help them get going. And they've now got three community energy projects in that mm. town after four years. So that's the kind of thing that we're doing is kind of a lot of helping people understand, looking at where the opportunities are, and then linking them up with the resources that they need to do that work. It's a really interesting body of work, Amanda, and you've, you've spent a lot of time in the regional areas as well. So I'm curious to hear your perspective on where you see Australian communities struggling the most. Yeah, um, I think there's, there's been there's so many different challenges. Of course, it's different from region to yeah. region, but yeah. there has been some themes that are across the board. Um, so, you know, just, I, I mean, over the last 25 years, we've seen services slowly taken out of communities We've got ageing populations and young people leaving, high unemployment and underemployment. Mm. Um, and then on top of that, like the increasing kind of natural disasters that, that people see, you get really long-term droughts and then suddenly you get hit with a flood like in Townsville. Yeah. Um, so that they're increasing in intensity and frequency as well. Um, but it's just the nature of work has changed. So even when people have jobs, 
they're often employed in very precarious conditions. Um, so all of these things are kind of compounding um, to actually make people feel quite vulnerable on, on a number of different levels. Mm. So what action then do you believe that these local, state or federal government needs to be taking then to ensure that those regional areas or, or Australia in general and our future generations prosper? Oh, well, the uh, there's so many different issues <laughs> and so many different I mean, things. Should we extend think, the podcast for an hour? <laughs> I think the I think the first thing fundamentally is actually admitting that we've got a problem mm. and that we can be proactive on addressing a number of these issues. Um, and I think that's probably the first thing because I think a lot of the polarisation that we're seeing in regional areas that really became apparent in this recent federal election is because people feel abandoned. Like they don't feel like anyone's got their back. And so actually having leaders that go, okay, we've got some challenges here, but we also have solutions. Mm. And like there is an economic opportunity here in acting on climate change. Like we can create jobs by doing the work that we need to do around climate change yep. in terms of building long-term infrastructure that's going to support the changing transport patterns, for example, or... Um, supporting shifts in farming because, you know, we might not be able to have cattle farming in some areas anymore, but we could have nut trees, which is actually what the export market is demanding. Um, so there's there's all sorts of things that can actually shift us to where we need to go, um, but that actually does need government support. And even the energy sector is saying, I was in a, call, um, in a federal inquiry a few years ago and the biggest advocates for renewable energy and getting climate policy right were actually large energy companies, mm -hmm. which really surprised me because they're saying, look, there's so much money ready to move, but when government keeps changing its mind and looking, you know, yeah. um, getting rid of climate policy, it actually makes it really hard to make long-term investment decisions. So we kind of need our leaders to kind of go, right, we're going to tackle this and we're going to work to make this happen and we're going to bring everyone along with us. Yep. Absolutely. So what advice then would you give to the change makers working hard on the ground who are really focused on tackling these local issues? Well, keep going because there are so many amazing people everywhere I go. Yeah. <laughs> so I keep going to community thinking, oh, this is the town that's going to run me, run me out of town. Yeah. But um, actually I find the opposite. Like most people get what I'm saying and see it as common sense yeah. and are just getting on with the job. And they're people across government and industry and social enterprise and community groups. So there's actually a lot of activities. So the advice is, A, look at what actually look at what you've got going in your local community mm. and keep going because it's good. And maybe start to try and find out where you can connect with other people to share some of those lessons learned um, because there's actually a lot of people like you across Australia and the world that is trying to tackle these issues. Yeah. Wonderful. That's nice, succinct advice. So I'd love to hear about a few inspiring projects that you're aware of that, that you believe are creating some really positive social impact and demonstrate innovative new ways of tackling social environmental issues. There are so many. I guess, you know, good examples for me are uh, initiatives that are based on local community yep. that uh, have justice at their core and uh, looking at ways where we can start to shift our consumption patterns and our production patterns so we can actually operate within planetary boundaries mm. and that those initiatives are very grounded in that local place but then connected out. 
So I think probably the best example and the most well-known example in Brisbane anyway is Food Connect mm. um, because they, they're taking on so many different issues in the way they've got a practical solution to a problem Yes. Um, in terms of cutting through the duopoly, like the power that Coles and Woolies has in terms of the control of our food system. They are giving farmers a fair price. They are building a community around Food Connect through the, the shed that's just been purchased through um, equity crowdfunding. So they've got other initiatives that have a social justice housed in the shed. They're mm. supporting uh, First Nations food businesses. Um, so it's not they're meeting a need through what they do on the day-to-day, yeah. but they're actually building an ecosystem of other people who are also sharing their vision for how the economy could be, mm. which is the people on planet. So I think that's a re- – and, you know, they're looking at zero waste – so it's, it's kind of how do you build all of those principles into how you operate? Yep. You know, it's not like some enter- social enterprises are like, oh, we'll just donate some money, we'll donate the profits to, to charity and it doesn't really matter how we operate yeah. up to that point. Yep. They're actually fundamentally in everything that they do trying to build in principles around democracy and justice mm. and ecological sustainability into yep. everything that they do. Tackling it well at a systems level. Yeah, and then connecting up with others, which then increases the impact from there. And there's examples like that in um, across lots of areas, like waste and and yeah, trying to do different co-housing um, projects around Australia. So yeah, I think there's actually quite a lot happening. Absolutely, and our listeners can listen to an interview with Rob Peakin and Emma Kate Rose, which I'll stick a link through in the article so to finish off then amanda what books or other resources would you recommend to our listeners oh there's a lot um if you haven't seen it already the 2040 film has come out recently that was done by damon gamo and i think that's a good one especially the area that i work in um around you know we can act on climate change and actually have a better future Mm. it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom yeah so that's a really nice inspiring um entry point for people and then they've got a website and a whole lot of outreach resources that people can follow up with there's a book by kate raworth who's in the film called donut economics Mm. which is a really good reframing of the economy yeah um take back the economy is another good little tool um it's a little handbook for people who are really interested in economic democracy um, and how to, to build a different kind of economy. Yeah. And also Drawdown by Paul Hawken. So in terms of all the different things that we can do to act on climate change, um, and it's 200, there's no, 100 solutions that were developed by 200 scientists around the world. So yeah. it's also just a really practical list to go to, to go, well, what can we start doing in our own local economy? Mm, there's a great list of books there and I'll stick links through to them in, in the article, Amanda. So, Amanda, I'm really looking forward to, to tracking your progress as you move forward because you're working on some really inspiring projects. So thanks so much for your really generous insights and time today and we'll be in touch again in the future. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.